Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Backstage Show. And before we get into today's topic, I would like to take this opportunity to do a plug. There are some auditions going on at Village Players of Hatboro, and the first night of auditions was yesterday. Well, I guess it was an afternoon audition, but they are happening again tonight. They're having auditions for a new production, which will be running over the summer, called Sex, Lies, and Fish. Ooh, this is an, This is a relatively new work which was written by a local member of the group named steve niles will be directed by jim kirkwood who's done some other productions there and tonight's uh actually no it's not tonight it is tomorrow night that will be tuesday may the 7th at 7 p.m it is not too late to audition for the show if you are interested it is a wild rollicking kind of slapstick farce involving uh, some mafia families trying to do business together and trying to seal the deal with some marriage. But this marriage proposal involves some unwilling participants and hilarity ensues. Of course. I'll just leave it at that. But More it, information on the site? Yes. Uh, the site is thevillageplayers.com. You can get all the information about the auditions, the character descriptions, and so forth. Again, the final night of auditions is Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the theater. Check you it out. Already missed the first night. Yeah, that was Sunday. Day. Yes, that was and Cinco of de course, Mayo. If you, yeah, if you have any uh, anything that you'd like to plug, you can always contact us and let us know. And uh, uh, yeah, we, we're available for you. You can uh, contact us at podcast at backstage link, or if you want to leave a plug yourself, we might even play it. Just give us a call. Leave us a message at two six seven two two five eight eight six nine, and you can also reach us at uh, Facebook. Facebook.com slash the backstage pod or Twitter at the backstage pod. And our website's always available, backstage.link. And eventually those things might even be updated. Hey. <laughs> Been a little bit know? behind on that. What do you know? Yeah, trying to keep up with, you know, the actual episodes. So sometimes the social media and such gets a little bit behind. Oh well. Yep. We're just a two man operation here. <laughs> we we don't have staff. No. <laughs> but well, you know, if you'd like to volunteer Send us an email, podcast at backstage.link. <laughs> yes. We could use some help. <laughs> yeah. Probably in many different ways, but anyway. <laughs> well, now that we got all the plugging out of the way, what are what? we going to talk about today? Today, we're talking about set construction. Oh, boy. Yeah. A little that... different than uh, design, which we, we discussed previously. If you uh, go back to episode 30, you can hear about set design, and this is just kind of uh, following that. The next logical step, as it were. So once Indeed. the design is all ready to go... You got to actually build the thing. Yeah, that you do. So you kind of have to start with, uh, you know, looking at what type of set that you have. And there's, there's a few basic types out there. It, it also, you know, a lot of this depends on your theater space, who's, design, who's your set designer, what the director wants, what the show calls for and all of that. But it basically narrows down to three different types of set. Yes. We'll call the first one sort of a representational type of a set, meaning more suggestive of the environment in which the play is located, not necessarily visually depicting it particularly accurately. 
Right, not uh, not realistic. Yes, a lot of the time, this type of set would be staged in, say, a black box theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've I've heard people refer to it as a black box set, but okay. I think black box is is generally like the theater setup. A black box is when you're, I I mean, it's basically everything's on one level. You're just kind of dealing with a fully configurable space as opposed to a proscenium theater. Correct. Yeah. And it has sort of unique considerations to make. Yeah. It's relatively minimal in the construction element. You're probably primarily working with furniture pieces to do a lot of the establishing of the set. Right. Establishing the scene with just a, a something that suggests that scene. Right. You may, if you want, I, I've seen productions where you can establish different levels with mm-hmm. flats um, say maybe you want to have kind of an upraised area. Yeah, yeah, they might put some platforms in, something like that. Yeah. I, I've also seen stuff that's just as minimal as putting up black curtains and black boxes that are moved around at times. Right. They, they, I mean, could, they can be very simple. Yeah, they could serve as a table, a chair, whatever they need to be. Mm-hmm. A platform. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, really there's not much to build there, but... Perhaps one consideration that needs to be made in that kind of environment that doesn't always readily apply to other types of, I'll say, theatrical arrangements, the space arrangement, is where you're going to set up the audience. Yeah, particularly in a black box setting, you're going to need to know, like, where the audience is going to go. If you've got a proscenium stage, it might be less of an option. Right. But even with that, sometimes a more representational set uh, is they'll move the audience around even within a proscenium theater. Yeah, I haven't really encountered that too much. Sorry, I was just envisioning a case where the whole audience has to get up in the middle of the show to move to a different scene. (laughs) That's been done. Oh? It's been done when they... I mean, this wasn't for a representational uh, setting, but I think we've talked about this before when uh, I believe it was Steel River did Noises Off. Oh, made the whole audience get up. They had the audience okay. get up and switch to the back of the set. Because the set was the fixed. Set okay. Yep. I, I'd forgotten about that. I did not see yep. that production. Well, that is interesting. I mean, it, it was a realistic set, not a representational, but you never know when the audience right. might, when you might have something to, to have the audience move around. <laughs> well, what I was thinking of as far as the construction element of that, though, is that depending on how the audience seating is arranged, if it's up on risers, you probably have to build that or at least yeah, assemble yeah. it. Yeah, and, and but I mean, again, that's most often done in a black box. Right. And even like Forge Theater is a black box theater. Even when they have a more traditional set, they still have to put the risers up for the audience. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, I, in circumstances with a proscenium setup, uh, a proscenium theater that's done a more representational set, if they have put like some of the audience on the stage, some of it on the floor, they might put risers up for that, so... Yeah, it, it certainly can do that. I'm trying to think. I, I think I remember one show. This was a long time ago at King of Prussia Players, or it was, I believe, uh, performed as part of King of Prussia Players, but it was at the mm-hmm. Upper Marion High School, I believe. And I believe it did have the audience sitting right on the stage. We actually, uh, when I directed uh, Picasso de la Panagile there, the original plan was to do that. They apparently used to have an option where you would close the curtains on the stage, put up risers on both sides, and do it kind of in the round, 
or in an alleyway, just everybody on the stage, including audience. Okay. But I think by the time I got around to doing Picasso there, they had eliminated that option. Yeah. So I had to do it standard proscenium. It's possible the show I saw was a little bit before Picasso. Not by much, but yeah. So yeah, other than the representational set, the other most common set probably is a, a unit set. Which yeah. is a, a single location. Yeah, 90% of the uh, shows I've worked on have involved unit sets. Yeah, I tend to prefer those because they're relatively easy. I think it's been kind of necessity in the spaces that I've worked in. I mean, when you don't have a lot of backstage space available to you, that this is, is true. really the only type of show that works well in that environment. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, as far as my, my barley sheaf work, if I've ever done anything that wasn't a unit. No, I did. Uh, Treasure Island was not a unit set, and that took a whole lot of creativity to come up with that one. But that may be the only one that I've directed there that uh, and, and done set design there that was not, or excuse me, yeah, that was not a unit set. My only, but... non, my only non-unit set directing experience was Red Herring, and that was treated as more of a black box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frankenstein and Dracula, which I did at the barn, were both non-unit sets. Correct. Which we'll get to next in multiple locations, really. Yeah, yeah, that one was kind of borderline, semi-black box, semi-sort of multi-purpose unit set. Kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll get to that later. But the unit set typically, in my experience, takes up the majority of the stage space available, so it makes it really difficult to move things in and out anyway. Yeah, I mean, a few of the shows that I've done will have like a couple of furniture pieces that maybe have to be moved on or off. But right. Then you're going to reduce the amount of onstage space you have. And then when you move the, the pieces off stage, then you have less room for the crew to move around backstage. So it's kind of a little dance to get everything to fit on these smaller community theater stages. Absolutely. With especially with indoor sets, kind of more the the rule than not. The walls just take up take up all the space, and yeah. especially if there are very few doorways involved, it really is just as hard to get things in and out. But yep. So the majority of the set building involves really putting up those walls. Yeah, got flats. You've got walls. Well, flats are walls, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so usually. A flat for those of you that don't know is basically what you're putting up uh, to represent a wall in a theater. I guess it, I assume it's called a flat because it is usually only like what half inch to an inch thick yeah it's typically um, like uh like a luon type of material yeah a luon or, on a one by three frame that's what i've seen yeah a couple weeks ago i was just helping to put up some flats as a matter of fact yeah yeah well they just built a whole bunch of new ones at barley sheaf because they only last so long yes uh, these uh, are usually made out of yeah like you said luon or sometimes they're a stretched canvas on a frame which makes it a little bit lighter to move around that's less common in community theater <laughs> Village Players still has a bunch of relatively older flats that are still in frequent usage, and they're noticeably mm. heavier compared to some of the more recently built ones that I think are yeah. more Luan. They're just so much easier to move around. Yeah, I mean, I, they've gotten, I think, better just the material that, that gets used. The Luan's gotten a little thinner and, and easier to work with. Yeah, and I think but some the of the stuff, they, they get warped so easily, the flats. That, and I think some I of the older them. ones literally have like a quarter inch of paint on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this does happen, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these flats get reused from show to show. You just move them around and put them in a different configuration. It's usually like a, a four foot by eight foot is pretty standard because that's the, yeah. the size of a sheet of Luan. Uh, and then you'll usually have some two by eights, three by yep. eights. One by eights but, in some cases. Yep. 
and some odd shapes that tend to stick around at theaters. I think there's like a three and a half and a two and a half foot one at uh, Barley Chief. <laughs> Plus there are the uh, the door inserts, meaning that the doorway is kind of just put together by two flats kind of spaced the width of a doorway apart, followed by a kind yeah. of a fill-in piece over the top of the doorway, and that's the doorway. Put some trim yeah, on I, it. Yeah, I found there's some like uh, door flats that are already like set up as four by eight feet and already have like the luon around it. Okay. There's sometimes just door frames that stick around or sometimes you have to build the door frame and it's just a loose door. It kind of depends on the theater and what's available. Yep. Uh, it, that's probably, uh, so there's, probably one of the most labor intensive, I would say, type of constructions to do just to get all the flats oriented, get them you know, attached to the floor, get them attached to one another, get everything level and square as much as possible and get everything braced in. Fill in, ab- fill in above and or below as necessary. Yeah. And then you got platforms and stairs that may be involved and you got to work out around that. Yeah. It yeah. can take a lot of work sometimes. Just getting, yeah, getting everything lined up and positioned. And then if you're dealing, if you're dealing with a farce that has like, you know, four to six doors on your set, <laughs> trying to get all of that done and then make it so that when you open a door, you can't see backstage from the audience. Yeah. Sight lines. You know, sight lines. Yeah. We didn't really note down anything about sight lines, but that's always a big thing, particularly at these uh, smaller theaters that are a little more intimate. You've got audience members that are kind of coming up right up to the stage. So if you don't angle everything just right or put some blocking curtains behind the set, People can see right back in and see your stage crew or your actors waiting to go on or just see backstage, which you don't want. Yeah, you can uh, see the actors backstage mooning the audience when they think they can't be seen. Yeah, curtains. Discourage that. The offstage curtains have been uh, pretty invaluable in a lot of my Mm. experiences. Just yeah, because otherwise just getting getting those sight lines taken care of is really difficult. I mean, especially on a proscenium stage with just so many different angles. Absolutely. Of where people are going to be sitting. Yeah. Speaking of that. Yeah. Sorry. Speaking of that, I guess in building the set too, angles are another consideration, not just for blocking off what you don't want the audience to see, but just to allow people to not have an obstructed view either. This is true too. I mean, you kind of have usually, it's almost, I'm trying to think of how to describe it, almost cup shaped, like you're peering into a cup so that the wall, the side walls tend to be angled. Yes. So that they come all the way out to the edges at, at the front of the stage. And when you get further uh, uh, towards the back of the stage, they come together. Yeah. Because it, if you had it the other way around, it would block the people on the edges of the seating area. Yeah, that's that's kind of where it comes in where sometimes the front row on the extreme ends can be the worst seat in the house. Yep. Just it be, happens. Because of the strange angle It's hard angle to, involved. to take all of that into consideration and get it to work right. I think just out of practice and... In some cases, having sort of guidelines on the stage floor, you mm-hmm. know, people have a good idea. Okay, this is the angle I need to build this at to get the right sight lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a matter of practice at uh, designing in a particular location. Yep, and uh, of course, <laughs> you want to get the right angles, but then hope that the flats are wide enough that you don't have any gaping holes in the back. <laughs> yeah, also true. <laughs> oh, we got to fill tricky. in this little corner here. Uh, no big deal. We'll just stick some furniture back there. Nobody will notice. I think Sorry, uh, I, I think Count of the Baskervilles, we had a little bit of a trick to that in the one back corner where the bookshelf kind of came up into the corner. But 
I think the the flat was a little bit warped, so it just was not square. There probably was a hole there, and just fill it in with masking tape. That's always the trick. I mean, I, I I assume professional theaters are better and more professional about this, but <laughs> masking tape is a an invaluable tool for community theater. And absolutely, in the yes, absolutely. So you get those indoor areas. You also have to deal with outdoors, whether it's an entirely outdoor set or if it's something that, you know, like we say, if there's something visible that's supposed to be outdoors from your indoor set, you kind of have to dress that too. And either you're adding an external structure or you're adding plants and things or backdrops or whatever, if you can see out windows, that kind of thing. Put put some uh, AstroTurf down if it's supposed <laughs> to be in about the yard. The- the, the last set I designed, or maybe the set before, was a uh, half indoor, half outdoor. And, and my original plan, my original design, did call for AstroTurf on half of the stage. But I, we ended up uh, changing that at the last minute to just paint it to look like grass. It's a lot easier to deal with. I just saw a production of Proof at Village Players of Happer about a month ago. And that was set up, it's, it's for those not familiar with the play, it's set up basically kind of in the back porch patio area of a house and they did a really nice job of representing the exterior of a house i think it was brick face and they had you know they had a roof with shingles and everything there nice it was pretty cool but and as i recall i I don't remember the exact treatments they used on the stage floor i think there was a a tree of some kind off to the one side i mean there was still kind of like you know black curtains off in the wings area so you couldn't really carry the illusion all the way across it just that's really tough to do i think in the kinds of yeah. community theater spaces absolutely i mean true west technically is supposed to be a a, a back of a house and a, and a back porch is it that was all in a kitchen yeah nope kitchen is only half the set oh okay yeah when i saw it on uh, on broadway or off broadway i forget exactly where it was uh, they had a, a, half of it was very much clearly outdoors. I mean, they set a fire in a garbage can. True. I would hope they wouldn't do that indoors. <laughs> ah, come on. Well, that, that's what makes it even more shocking. <laughs> yeah. I know we cut. Did you cut that when you did that? The fire? I can't remember exactly how we did that <laughs> off the top of my I head. I thought about trying to fake it or actually just lighting a fire. In I'm the pretty of the sure we can, couldn't but... have a large open flame on the stage per the yeah. theater rules. They tend to frown on that. Yeah. But both of our productions, we had everything taking place inside the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I'd forgotten about that that element of what was actually called out. Yeah. I mean, I had the kitchen, and then that's where I separated. That's where I added the second pole at Barley Sheaf and kind of yes. differentiated that separate room. The decorative pole. Yeah. And I had, like, patio furniture out there. But there was a wall in the back with a large screen window. So Okay. Yeah. We kind just, of we just kind of set up as, like, a big eat-in eat kitchen. Kind yeah. of open floor plan I mean, it sort of a certainly setup. works that way. Yeah. Well, anyway. now I've got to question all my choices that I've made in life. <laughs> yeah, even so just kind of the view outside of windows, just setting up that can be, you know, just trying to get the lighting, sorry, just trying to get the lighting set up so that it sort of suggests that it's taking place outside. Yep. Uh, you know, we, we did things with painting the back wall, painting sort of like an outdoor view outside of a doorway that was visible painting yeah. that on the back wall. Lighting can often take care of that kind of thing as well if you have, uh, you know, plant gobos on the light so it kind of casts the shadow of plants. Yeah, that, that's a nice that feature. Be Maybe yeah. sticking some plants kind of framing a doorway or right outside of a window. Yep, it's all sorts of different tricks. 
we had a nice in Fox of the Fox on the Fairway. We had a nice kind of mural essentially right on the back wall that was mm-hmm. representative of you know a golf course. You're out. It's you're in the clubhouse and you're out looking at the course out the window. And yeah, I remember that. That was just really nicely done. It was incredible. Yeah. So that case where painting can help kind of fill you know fill out the image or illusion of the set. Yep. So that's kind of a unit set. Hi, this is Glenn. It may sound like we were abruptly cut off there, and that's because we were. This week's episode ran a little bit long, so we decided to separate it into two parts. Next week, we'll continue our discussion about the types of set and get more into detail about construction. You can look forward to statements such as this. It might be somewhere between a unit set and a representational set, yeah. but it's usually a little more realistic. A lot of there. musicals tend yeah, to take seen, this approach. There was furniture that was that made up the set, and then we had the three, uh, what became known as the spinning triangles of death. Everything, even though it's not solid, you're just creating the illusion of uh, solid walls. It's mm-hmm. going to feel solid enough such that it will withstand the wear and tear that a production is going to throw at it. Don't forget that whatever goes up must come down. Yep, there's also a set strike. It's over in an hour, maybe two. Yeah, I've had ones that last a whole lot longer than that. <sighs> wow. I've had three, four-hour strikes. Oh I've had goodness. stuff that goes till one in the morning, done after a show. If you have comments about this week's episode, or if you have episode ideas, or any other comments or questions, you can contact us at podcast at backstage.link, or leave us a voicemail or text message at 267 267- 225-8869. You can also find us on our website, backstage.link, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebackstagepod, or Twitter at thebackstagepod. If you've enjoyed the first half of this episode, and if you think you might enjoy the second half, please subscribe, if you haven't already, or leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, and tell a friend about us. Next week, we'll be continuing this episode on set construction. Tune in then. And until then, you can find us backstage. Get the lovely sound of me tightening the microphone stand. Who needs a clapboard? Yeah. Howdy, 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 howdy. Just testing a level. My cat video. Scene one, take one. Action. Fantastic. Easy for you to say. Crap a doodle duck. I'm going to turn <laughs> on a third computer. Third computer? Two, two is not enough. Whoa, why are there two of you now? Uh, mitosis? Gesundheit. <laughs> Gracias. Or whatever your people say. What people? I don't know, your people. I have people. Yeah, sure. Hello? No, I think I am clipping. Good. I'm reasonably sure that I am not clipping, even talking this loudly right into the microphone. If I am, I'm confident that Jim can fix it. (laughs) This podcast is not audiophile quality. Hey, I'm Jim, and welcome to the backstage show. Hi, I'm Glenn. Are you sure? (laughs) Hi, I'm Scotch. And I'm Twitface. And welcome to the Scotch and Twitface show. <laughs> Are we ready here? Righto! It 
Tschüss.